Welcome to the Virginia Economic Review podcast. This is Stephen Moray, president of the Virginia Economic Development Partnership. Today, I'm delighted to be talking with Tim Sands, the 16th president of Virginia Tech. During our conversation, we're going to be talking about Virginia Tech's distinctive role in attracting Amazon's HQ2 project to Virginia, the university's visionary plan for a new innovation campus in Alexandria, Virginia, and finally, how Virginia Tech partners with business and industry. I hope you'll enjoy the conversation. We are here today with uh, Tim Sands, who's the president of Virginia Tech, which is a leading institution in the Commonwealth of Virginia, one of America's great engineering schools and certainly one of the great universities in general. Uh, Virginia Tech was a central part of Virginia's successful bid for Amazon HQ2, so we're excited to talk with President Sands about that today and also about Virginia Tech's role overall in economic development uh, in the Commonwealth of Virginia. So, President Sands, thank you very much for making time uh, to be with us, and I'll, I'll kind of kick it off there. As you're well aware, Virginia Tech played a leading role in helping position Virginia to successfully secure the Amazon HQ2 project. What a lot of people don't know is that Virginia Tech really stepped up from the very beginning of the process, committing both university leadership and significant funding to actively support Virginia's bid. And uh, this is actually a question I don't think I've ever asked you, which is what was your thinking, you know, 16 months ago or so at the beginning of the process in making HQ2 and making that project such a big priority for the university, particularly at a time when really few in Virginia thought we would be competitive for that project? Well, thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Dr. Murray. We were thrilled to be part of that opportunity and to be part of the team that came through uh, for Virginia and for the, for, the, for the region. We were thinking about something like that and preparing for some opportunity like that for several years. Probably about four years ago, we assembled a team up in the National Capital Region to talk about where we were headed as an institution. We had been in Northern Virginia for 50 years with various outposts and some uh, bigger than others, but spread throughout the region. And we had a sense that we needed to have a more significant presence in the form of an open campus or an innovation district type model. So when, when you called, was 16 or 17 months ago, we uh, were already thinking about it. And one of the reasons we were so enthusiastic is that uh, it lined up perfectly with uh, the work that we had already done in, in planning. We just didn't know where it would go. We didn't know when it would start. But but this opportunity was exactly what we were looking for, and uh, so we just jumped on it. Well, you sure did. And um, while we've talked about the central role that higher education played uh, in Virginia's bid for HQ2, there's no question that Virginia Tech's role was really singular and really was the institution that made the biggest difference in the whole effort. So we're really grateful for that. Looking at that whole question of computer science talent in general, um, you know, this first issue of Virginia Economic Review where is really all about tech. And as you know, the tech sector broadly defined is, is what we envision as our biggest growth industry opportunity uh, in Virginia, at least in terms of the traded sector. In just the last 24 hours, there was an article that came out from the New York Times with the heading, uh, the, the lead, it's called The Hard Part of Computer Science, Getting Into Class. Uh, yeah. As you know, there's a nationwide shortage of tech talent in America. Um, but despite that, few states seem to be really making a concerted effort to, you know, address those gaps. What do you think it is that's holding back states from taking more assertive action to address this sort of widespread challenge to economic growth in the tech sector, which is the lack of, of graduates in those key fields? 
It's hard for me to really assess uh, the situation in other states, even though I've been in them in the past. But I can say what I think has worked well in Virginia. Essentially, uh, there are some elements that, that made things happen quickly. And we still have to perform. There's a long uh, track ahead of us. But there were a couple of elements that I was really impressed with. One is the alignment. And of course, in your role in VDP, uh, you were brokering that alignment. And that was critical. The fact that uh, the government, that the administration, the General Assembly leadership, uh, our universities, the tech sector leadership in Virginia and in the greater Washington region really came together and saw that, that everybody was trying to, to uh, accomplish the same goal. And that's often a factor that delays getting started, that you take some time to figure out where that alignment might be. I didn't think we had to waste time on that. Uh, the other is that our institutions of higher education are so diverse and that's because I think we don't have a rigid system of higher ed, and that allows each campus to become what it needs to be for its community, to specialize where it needs to specialize, and that allows a certain nimbleness that I think uh, other states may not have. The other um, element is that we had a couple of institutions, and Virginia Tech and George Mason being two of them, probably the two biggest, that were in, on a growth trajectory anyway, and when you're when you're growing, it's easier to pivot. When you're not, it's difficult. And uh, so I think those are some of the elements that, that contributed. The other is the long discussion that we've had over many years, well, over at least a decade, when dealing with the diversity of the Virginia economy and the over-reliance perhaps on the, on the federal contracting side and the services side of, of the economy. It's been a great thing for Virginia and a long history of Virginia, but uh, everybody knew we needed to diversify it. So when the opportunity for Amazon popped up, it was pretty clear that this was a great way to take a first step uh, toward diversifying the economy in a big way. And so I think that also lined up with the conversation that the Commonwealth had been having for, for many years. Indeed it did. Well, uh, President Sands, you've been here now for a few years, making a big impact, not just in Blacksburg, but at uh, Virginia Tech's presence across Virginia uh, and rural development and unmanned systems and cybersecurity and a whole bunch of different areas. Tell us a little bit about your vision for Virginia Tech, uh, both you know in Blacksburg, uh, but also beyond, as well as your Beyond Boundaries initiative. When I came about almost five years ago, uh, part of the reason I came to Virginia Tech was the momentum that the institution had. So I wasn't coming to a place that needed to start up. It was more of a question of of accelerating and, and steering a little bit. And I did a, a tour, as most new presidents do, just talking and listening not only to the faculty and staff and students in Blacksburg, but going around the state and hearing from alums and partners and, and stakeholders and trying to get a sense of what the assets were that we had and where we could go with it. Uh, that led me to uh, identify a few elements, and I did that in October of 2014 at my first speech to, to the campus. These are the things I plucked out, and I listed them. Uh, they became really the anchor for a process called Beyond Boundaries, where we engaged everyone to look at these observations and see whether I was right or not. Are these areas that, that are opportunities for Virginia Tech or not? And so the whole campus, whole community got involved over a two-plus year period to create a generational vision for Virginia Tech Beyond Boundaries is what we called it. And uh, that, I think, was very successful. It, it surprised me. You know, I certainly had pegged a couple of things that, that survived through the process, but there were some elements that popped up that I hadn't thought about. Uh, and our students and our faculty really came through and, and said, you know, look, this is an opportunity for us. We're ready to go. Some of it I did see. One was a focus on 
the core values of the institution, uh, the primary one of which is expressed through our motto, but prosum, which is that I may serve. And I, don't, I won't go into a long history of that, but this is a place that is, uh, has an incredibly strong community and it's service-oriented, service in the big way, not, not necessarily just day-to-day, but, but thinking about how do we prepare our students for careers and lives that will be of maximum impact to their communities and to the, to the world in general. So that's an asset we've got. It's right at the core of the strength of Virginia Tech. What I didn't probably see was the degree to which our students and our faculty wanted to be free spirits. In other words, they didn't want to be bound to one place. They loved Blacksburg, but they didn't want to feel like they had to be here in order to be uh, accomplished and, and to contribute to the community. They wanted the, the flexibility to be anywhere in the world and anywhere in Virginia with partners, engage with partners, uh, where the talent is, and still feel like they were connected to an institution that uh, supported them through their academic pursuits, their research, their engagement opportunities. That's a big challenge. It's a big technology issue. It's a big cultural issue. And so one of the things we're trying to achieve over the last couple of years is to really think about how does Virginia Tech exist in a, as a, in a distributed model. And that's where the innovation campus comes in. That's where our, our health science and technology campus in Roanoke comes in. Uh, that we're not just in Blacksburg, we're throughout the Commonwealth and indeed throughout the world. And that, that generational vision of being literally beyond boundaries is um, something that will take a, li- a generation to achieve because of the challenge. But I was really impressed with the degree to which our faculty, staff, and, uh, and constituents um, of all sorts were engaged in that idea. Well, it's exciting. You know, as I sit here in Richmond, there's a palpable sense that our state leaders, from the governor to his administration to the General Assembly leadership, uh, is really bought in and is excited about <clears throat> both what Virginia Tech is doing today for economic development in Virginia, but also the vision for the future of the institution in Blacksburg and beyond. So it's really, really exciting. I mentioned earlier the, um, you know, the, the the really important role that Virginia Tech played in helping position Virginia to successfully uh, you know, win the HQ2 bid. How do you sort of see Virginia Tech's role overall in economic development in Virginia? It's a great question. It's one that I um, reflected on as I came to Virginia Tech. I came from another land-grant institution, and so I knew a little bit about the history of our land-grant institutions. And Virginia Tech is probably the most land-grant, true to the land-grant um, idea that I've ever seen uh, in, in the in the U.S. in terms of the institutions that are spread throughout our states that, are, that call themselves land grants. Back in 1862 with the Morrill Act uh, coming about, which was a brilliant move to rethink higher education and to uh, make it more accessible, there were a couple of uh, factors that were called out for the land-grant institutions. One was that, that they should prepare students to be active citizens, active members of the community, um, and to promote our democracy, but also to be engaged citizens. Uh, the other element was that they should support the economic development of the state that they're in. And back then, and still today, it, agriculture and engineering, or the mechanic arts as they were called back then, are two of the major focal points for land-grant universities. Going forward, and, and I would say from now going forward, it's the tech sector is really a, a huge opportunity for our land-grant institutions. We, we need to be uh, supplying the, uh, the talent and um, supporting through our research and engagement the development of that sector. So I see it as a natural extension 
the economic development was always part of the, the role of the land grants, always part of Virginia Tech's um, portfolio. It's grown, I would think, in terms of the, its importance, and it's diversified. So we still support the agriculture and uh, natural resources sector uh, with, with everything we can. We, we're, we have a major operation throughout the state through Virginia Cooperative Extension, through our AREC's, the Agricultural Research and Extension Centers, and through the research we do in Blacksburg. But, but we have expanded that out into the tech sector and the health sciences. The purpose behind it is we're, we're trying to help build and catalyze uh, the economy for Virginia as, as a core role and something that we've had for almost 150 years. So it's built into our DNA. That's exciting, and it's it's um, it, it's exciting to think about. There's also a role, and I guess it's a related role, as you sort of talked about, that Virginia Tech plays in developing talent. You know, in Virginia, people often talk about higher education, sort of I guess in bifurcated terms, where there's a sort of role of preparing people to be you know engaged, enlightened uh, citizens, if you will. But there's also this notion of, of preparing um, students to you know for productive careers. Uh, I, I think you would agree those are complementary missions, and I, I know I've heard you talk quite a bit about eloquently about sort of balancing those two, but I wonder if you could just expand on that a little bit as you see uh, Virginia Tech's role in, in sort of uh, its educational mission and its role in workforce development in Virginia. Yes, uh, one of the conversations that started up with Beyond Boundaries and our thinking about the, a vision for the institution in a, in a generation was this concept of a VT-shaped student experience. And I think we have to uh, think about the student experience as being much different than it might have been uh, 20 or 30 years ago, certainly when I went to college. Uh, we, we do need the strength and the discipline, and that's the vertical um, line, that, that you have to have depth in a discipline. You have to bring something to the table. But you also have to have that top of the T. In other words, you need to be able to work with, uh, for example, a diverse team. People have different expertise, different life experiences on a large problem. You have to be able to be part of a team. You have, in order to do that, you have to communicate across experiences and disciplines. We want our students to have that experience while they're at Virginia Tech, not to just talk about it. Uh, so that brings in uh, the experiential learning part. And we look at the V supporting that T, if you can imagine that. Um, as the uh, experiential learning that supports the, the learning in the classroom and the learning in, in engaged teams working on big problems. So the, where, what does that leave us with? It leaves us with uh, graduates who have uh, depth in the discipline. They bring that to the table. Virginia Tech students or graduates are known throughout the Commonwealth and actually throughout the U.S. for their work ethic and their preparedness, that they're, they're, they're really um, well, well prepared. They know, they know their fields. Uh, but uh, we also these days need graduates who can work in a team and who can be entrepreneurial, who can communicate well across uh, di boundaries and differences. And that's part of what we feel we need to provide in terms of the experiences that our students have going forward. There are lots of other dimensions that are causing higher ed to, I think, pivot. And one of them is lifelong learning and uh, the reality that uh, people want to be able to advance their education wherever they are. They don't want to have to come back necessarily to a, to a campus to do that. Um, these trends are, are rapidly changing higher ed. Uh, certificates, uh, stackable credentials, badges, you hear those terms all, all, all the time. Those are really, uh, I think, taking off in terms of their importance. But the core thing that we do well, I think, at Virginia Tech in terms of education is the undergraduate experience in a residential environment 
that gives the students uh, ample opportunity to practice those communication skills, those teamwork skills, working on big projects, as, we, as engineering has, has coined it, hands-on, minds-on. Uh, that's the kind of experience that we specialize in. That's terrific. Could, could you also sort of mention, you've talked a little bit about, I think the phrase you use is digital literacy, and the notion, if I recall correctly, that sort of that it's not just the students who study, say, computer science or computer engineering, but perhaps a broader sense that even in the humanities and the liberal arts, you know, more broadly defined, there could be a place for a broader understanding of what's going on in, in computing. Yeah, that's something that came out of uh, Beyond Boundaries as well, this idea of the the T for technology and uh, digital proficiency um, overlapping everything that we do and being a signature for Virginia Tech. So, yes, we're doubling our computer science uh, programs. Uh, we're growing in areas like computational modeling and data analytics. That's one of our fastest growing majors. It's a hybrid of computer science, mathematics, and statistics. So it's crossing a couple of colleges and I think we have six or 700 students doing that right now, and that's just growing tremendously. And then we have fields like uh, business information technology and business analytics. That's also growing. So there, there are major fields of degree programs that are really taking off that are on the, the edge of computer science. They're not, they're not maybe a core computer scientist, but they are application-oriented fields that are they're growing rapidly. But then you go a little further out and you ask, well, what kinds of proficiencies do all of our students need, regardless of whether they're in a STEM discipline, computer science, or, or a computational field, data analytics, cybersecurity? Um, and I think the graduate today needs to be uh, comfortable with digital technology and have proficiency. And these days, that, that means some exposure to fields like uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence, uh, certainly data visualization, data analytics. Uh, but um, they also need to be able, in the end, to reduce data to actionable information. I think that's th that everyone needs to know how to do that. Um, I would argue that uh, the technology uh, piece has become much more important than it was a few years ago. Great example, you want to be a museum curator. Yes, you need to be grounded in the liberal arts or the sciences that are directly related to what to that museum, that field. And if it's an art museum, it could be a natural history museum. But you better be proficient also with the new ways of interacting with people through technology, whether that's augmented reality or virtual reality or just uh, very sophisticated communication schemes. You better know that. And so I think uh, the digital expertise, digital proficiency is going to be part of every student's experience going forward. I love that vision. I think it's super compelling. When we look at um, nationally at uh, you know, this large amount of underemployment of college graduates, the, the most common, I think, identifier of folks that become underemployed are folks that don't have, not just a matter of having a degree in a technical field, but having that sort of digital literacy that, um, you know, can really, really make a difference. Um, you're, you're a few years into your tenure. Obviously, you've already got a lot to be proud of for the time that you've, you've served at Virginia Tech. Um, if you look five years forward, President Sands, what, what do you hope will be major accomplishment or accomplishments you, you hope to look back on five years from now? I think in terms of the student experience, I hope we uh, make significant progress toward the uh, Beyond Boundaries vision that our community came together with. And I'll pull out a couple of um, milestones. One would be that every student have a significant experiential learning component to their curriculum. 
that is uh, more than just a summer internship that is integrated with our curriculum. Uh, doing that in five more years is, is a big uh, a big ask, but we're, we're trying to organize around that idea. Uh, I think that's really important going forward. I think um, that uh, our students should be much less tethered to the to the main campus and feel that we can support them in their education and uh, their experiences wherever they are. Uh, we'll make progress on that. I think from a research standpoint, we are a big research university. We do over a half a billion dollars a year in research, but we have an opportunity to lead in transdisciplinary work. Uh, we've reorganized the institution along uh, a matrix, essentially. Uh, the verticals are still the colleges and departments and that, the disciplines, they are core. You have to have that, or as I said before, you, you, you don't have anything to bring to the table. But you also have to be able to work across the disciplines in a way that allows you to take on big problems. And uh, because we made that change a couple of years ago, and we started the process, we call them destination areas. Because we moved along that direction, we created a budget model that recognized the importance of that. Uh, we're, I think, uh, a little bit ahead of our peers in terms of restructuring to become a modern uh, university that can take on a transdisciplinary problem. At the same time, you see the agencies like the National Science Foundation talking about convergence, which is essentially another word for transdisciplinary work across the disciplines, taking on those big problems. So I hope that in five years we are a leader in that and that our research portfolio reflects it, that our partner portfolio reflects it, uh, that we have um, big companies and small companies engaged. We become a leader in um, in startups and in uh, in commercialization. We've, we've always done well in that area, but we've never realized our potential. There's a lot of untapped potential, and we've started two programs. One's called Link and one's called Launch. And Launch is a center for new ventures, and, and we can borrow from all the, the great programs that are around the country, but we'll put a Virginia Tech spin on that, and I'm really excited by that. Entrepreneurship, I would just, I, th I want that to see that as a pervasive um, experience at Virginia Tech for both undergraduate and graduate students. That's, um, we've learned uh, through some experiments. We had some donors from our, our alums really came in and started the Apex Center for Entrepreneurs. Uh, we have the Calhoun Honors Discovery Program, which brings in elements of, of that as well. And it's those skills that entrepreneurs develop that are important for career resilience. So regardless of whether you are planning to start a company or not, if you have entrepreneurship skills, you feel more comfortable taking a jump, taking a leap from one trajectory of your career to another uh, because you know you have the skills to bounce back and to deal with the change and to deal with the surprises. So I, I think somehow we need to have that entrepreneurship experience become broader than it is. Right now we have a couple thousand students on campus engaged, but I think that everybody needs to be engaged in some way or another. Uh, of course, we want to see in, in the next five years, we have a huge opportunity in Roanoke with the Health Science and Technology Campus. We have our second research building going up. We want to make sure that, that the, the power of that research is translated with our partner, Carilion Clinic, and with others that come to that region. We want to be a magnet for uh, talent and for partners coming in from all over the world to Roanoke in the health sciences and technology space. And of course, the innovation campus in five years, we ought to be up and running in, in physical facilities. And I'm really excited to see that uh, uh, take off. And that probably will be the, the one element that um, uh, I will look back on and say, uh, that was a, a fun project, and I want to follow it through till the rest of my career, regardless of where I am or what I'm doing. So I'll, I'll be a big fan for the Innovation Campus going forward. This will be a <clears throat> really exciting set of uh, accomplishments. 
Can you kind of expand on the last one? Talk about your vision for the innovation campus, a little bit of the history about how they kind of came together over the last few years, you know, how it got accelerated in the last year, and, and then in particular sort of the, the vision for where it's going to go in the future. The innovation campus was uh, an offshoot of a conversation we started about four years ago on um, a global innovation district is what we called it. We, we were thinking, how could Virginia Tech anchor a global innovation district somewhere in Northern Virginia? Uh, we had sites all over Northern Virginia. We do, um, we're very engaged, but we don't have that kind of a presence. And uh, we started planning. We did a lot of detailed planning, actually, not knowing where it would go, when it would start. And so the opportunity that was brought forth by Amazon and by the Tech Talent Pipeline Initiative that, that you helped craft and you really shaped um, has uh, given us an avenue to put this on the fast track. And so the Innovation Campus has is addressing uh, some of the most critical needs. I, uh, I have a colleague, uh, Gilman Louie, who uh, uses the term aspirin and vitamins. It, you can't promise a great thing for the future. We're going to define the future of, of this or that unless you also address the current needs. Where are the pain points uh, in the industry or, or in terms of the talent pipeline? And so the, the Innovation Campus will do a little of both. Well, the main focus from a curricular standpoint will be on the master's degree, the one-year intensive master's in uh, computer science and related disciplines because there's a pain point there right now. Uh, we also see it with cybersecurity. We're leading a Commonwealth-wide initiative called the Commonwealth Cyber Initiative, and uh, that's just getting kicked off. Uh, involves 50 different uh, organizations, uh, all of our higher ed institutions, almost all of them, a uh, number of big companies and employers and, and, and also some government agencies uh, to address that critical need because there's 33,000 um, open cyber jobs in Northern Virginia or Virginia as a whole, and that's a, that's a pain point. But if I look at the future uh, in terms of how we might shape that future in, through the Innovation Campus, uh, there are some uh, huge opportunities, I think. Uh, one area that we're exploring, and it's a personal passion of mine, is uh, uh, human cyber networks. Just this idea that um, machines and humans are now forming networks to make decision, decisions jointly, uh, and that this is changing our economy rapidly. Uh, the best example is probably uh, GPS navigation, but you can, if you stretch your thinking, you can uh, see everything around you changing from the way you shop, the way you move, the way you uh, um, interact with other people, the way you uh, make decisions about your finances. Uh, just it's all uh, become one big human uh, cyber network. And I think that that being able to help shape that, the security of it, the regulation and policy environment around it, uh, and of course the technology. So uh, we're, we're exploring different themes. That's one that we've been discussing, but uh, they're, they all involve uh, at their core uh, new disciplines like uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence, uh, but also the, the human factors piece of that. And I think it's really important to get into the ethics, the policy piece, uh, and doing it in the uh, vicinity of the nation's capital is, is and in all that tech concentration in Northern Virginia, it's just the perfect place to be for that, that kind of work. That whole campus, as you know, was one of the most important parts of Amazon selecting Virginia for their new headquarters here. And it's one of the things we're most excited about as we think about the future of the tech sector you know, in, in Northern Virginia and, and statewide. President Sands, one of the things that has really distinguished Virginia Tech in, in the Commonwealth, and I think to some extent nationally, 
has been the way that uh, the university partners with the corporate sector. Curious about how, uh, if you could sort of expand on that, sort of how, how you guys think about how, how that fits into your DNA as an institution and also how the innovation campus will fit into that approach. Yes, we've always been uh, comfortable engaging with industry and with employers uh, throughout the history of Virginia Tech, but we noticed a few years ago that a lot of our really good partners in industry we're starting to down-select and choose a smaller number of universities to be partners with because they had, I think they were really burning too much uh, time and energy on coordinating uh, disparate and small programs around, uh, around the country and maybe not, not focusing enough on, on the institutions that are, provide the most value. So we restructured, uh, created a, a center called LINK, which really brings uh, Virginia Tech closer to uh, industry. It's a one-stop shop kind of model where we have uh, individuals assigned to, to big companies as uh, relationship management, but we bring all the resources from the university together around uh, around the uh, internships, the employment uh, pipeline through Virginia Tech, uh, the uh, the research opportunities, uh, everything that is associated with our relationship is now uh, brought into the center so that the company doesn't have to spend so much effort. They know there's a one person they can go to. They don't have to go to that one person. They can still have connections throughout the institution. But but if they want to get the full picture, there's, there's one place to go. And uh, I think that has allowed us to uh, become the preferred partner for some uh, companies that were in the process of downsizing their relationship portfolio. And so I'm glad we got ahead of that because uh, it's really critical to our students that they have relationship that we have relationships with with big companies that that hire them. Uh, it's also uh, really important to our research portfolio, which uh, part of which is guided by uh, the needs of industry. So um, I'm really pleased with the with the momentum that we've got there. We worked, we developed our relationship with Boeing recently through that with. Um, Block One through Mahindra, these companies that are very big companies that uh, hire our students, uh, but uh, we want them. To, we want them to keep looking at Virginia Tech as a preferred partner. So um, th- I think that approach makes sense. It's, we're not the only ones doing it, but I think we got in uh, ahead and uh, we're able to uh, take advantage of that that leadership role going forward. That's wonderful. One last question for you. Thinking about not just Virginia, but states in general, what do you think that states in the country could do to better support higher education's role as an economic development driver? Well, part of it's around um, incentives and um, conversations that produce alignment. I, I think I've been in, this is the third state that I've been in for extended period in, in higher ed. And um, I think that what Virginia has going right now is really important, and that is the effort within the leadership in our capital to pull the universities together so that they work together, and that they they st- we still compete, but but uh, we also uh, work together, and that uh, we uh, coordinate our efforts, and that we try to align them with wh- what the needs are within the state, and that the state in partnership uh, then recognizes and listens to higher ed about what our bottlenecks are and what our concerns are in order to uh, reach a shared um, uh, goal. So I think that conversation is much richer in Virginia than it was three or four years ago. I attribute that to leaders such as yourself, but leaders in um, uh, in the House of Delegates and the Senate in the administration 
that have really um, gone out of their way to create uh, opportunities, not only resources, but forums and to organize around that idea that uh, we need to team up and we can't do it um, by ourselves. And so that, that I think, is the one biggest change that I've seen in Virginia that is, bodes really well for, for the future. That's wonderful. President Sands, I know you've got to run in a minute. Is there anything else you'd like to, uh, to share? Well, only that um, I think uh, you have, uh, through your leadership, have uh, created a very high bar for other states to, um, to follow. And so congratulations on that. I don't think um, uh, economic development in terms of um, attracting big employers will ever be the same as a result of the success of the initiative you pulled together. Uh, and there will be more. So I, th- I think that model works. And um, I think we're fortunate to have you, but also the leadership that uh, is, I think, very wise with the taxpayer dollar. And uh, it cares about the impact across the Commonwealth, not just in one city or another. So um, I'm really excited to have you as a partner and have uh, uh, the leadership in Richmond on the same page. Well, we feel exactly the same about you and Virginia Tech, and um, I, I do agree. I think Virginia is almost unbeatable when we really put all of our best minds together, as we did with Amazon, and we're looking forward to doing that a few more times with Virginia Tech uh, in the years ahead. So, President Sands, thank you again very much. appreciate the time. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. This podcast has been brought to you by the Virginia Economic Development Partnership. Thanks for listening.